0: Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. So in our home, we have a rule that kids are not allowed to eat in the living room. They can only eat in the kitchen or at the dining room table, but adults are allowed to eat in the living room. And a couple Sundays ago, I think it was two Sundays ago, my wife made this incredible pork tenderloin with like this delicious gravy and some really good carrots. And we don't always do this, but we we were watching, I think, America's Funniest Home videos while we ate. Nothing like watching, teaching your kids to laugh at people when they fall, affecting their worldview. But that's what we were doing. And I was bringing my full plate of all this deliciousness into the living room, but the kids had to stay in the kitchen. And I had to step over a gate first because we have our living room gated off because of our son who's one and a half. And I'm normally good at stepping over the gate, but I I got over it and I was over our nice cloth green couch. And all of a sudden I watched this plate fly out of my hand Go directly up into the air and the entire contents of my plate fall directly onto the lovely green cloth cushion of our couch in front of all of our kids. And thankfully, I mean, it's like it's almost the worst thing you could drop on your couch other than maybe pasta with red sauce. This was number two on the list. And somehow we were able to get most of the stain and smell out. But now my kids uh, don't trust me to eat in my own living room. And if I'm honest, I get really nervous anytime I'm bringing any kind of food into the living room. I have some genuine fear about it. I've also had lots of experiences in my life where I have felt more and more fearful in deeper ways and more and more discouraged in deeper ways. Um, I know many people in our nation right now are dealing with all kinds of pain and hurt and fear and confusion and challenges. And I want to share a message today that's simply entitled, Do Not Be Afraid or Discouraged. The context is the book of Second Chronicles, and let me set it up a little bit for you. We're talking about the people of Israel who were the people of God, and the Lord would lead them, and they would have battles with other nations, and... Now, we have to understand the progressive revelation of Scripture. This is the Old Testament. Now in the New Testament, we have the full revelation of who God is in the person of Jesus Christ. And we're able to look at the Old Testament, particularly battles, and we're able to understand spiritual warfare. And I'm going to explain more as we go on, but I wanted to set the stage a little bit with that. So reading from 2 Chronicles 20, verses 1 through 2. After this... The Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Meunites, which are just different people groups, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the king of Israel at the time. Verse two: Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, "A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazon Tamar. In other words, already. In other words, it's already close to you." And so we're looking at this story and understanding truths about spiritual warfare. And let me get into it. Your first point today, if you're following on your notes, is that you are in a battle. So in the new covenant, we who are Gentiles have been grafted into the people of God, the family of God, and we can look at this as spiritual warfare. And I wanna start by just reminding you that you have an enemy and you're in a battle. I was on a phone call with a friend this week um, who's just going through some challenges and he was just saying to me, "Man, sometimes I forget how evil our enemy is and how much he wants to destroy my life. And it's a helpful reminder just to remember you are in a spiritual battle. And God has a plan for your life, but there's also a spiritual enemy that has a plan for your life. And there is a battle there. Think of it this way. Your heart and your mind is contested space. It doesn't just stay neutral. There's a battle for your heart. There's a battle for your mind. The second point is just as important. Listen closely to me, church. Your battle is not against people. People is the fill-in. Scripture tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. I want to encourage you to be careful in a moment in our country that's quite divided and fragmented to be reminded that your battle is not against people. And I was taught by a mentor years ago that you'll notice that every relationship in your life that is significant, that is important, at some point the enemy will try to get a little tear in that relationship. A little tear between you and that person that if you're not careful and you let that tear grow, it turns into bitterness or resentment or even spite and it robs you of what that relationship is supposed to be in your life. And I have experienced in every important relationship in my life, the enemy or my own sinful nature has, has attempted to put a tear at some point in that relationship. Everyone from my wife to my parents to mentors to leaders to pastors, everyone, and I want to encourage you, don't allow those little tears to remain there. Be reminded your battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against one another. And let me read on in the text 2nd Chronicles 22 through 4. So a vast army is coming against you speaking to Jehoshaphat and then in verse 3 it says alarmed Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So number three on your notes is this, resolve to inquire of the Lord. When you are alarmed, resolve to inquire of the Lord. The definition of inquire is to ask for information from someone. And so let me encourage you to do this. Do what God has already told you to do in his word. That's his general word to you, but he will also guide your steps specifically as you inquire of the Lord. So when you're in a seemingly overwhelming problem where the odds seem impossible, which you may find yourself in today, start by inquiring of the Lord. Reading on in uh, the second half of verse six, we see some of the King Jehoshaphat's prayer. Sorry, starting in verse five. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. And I'm gonna skip down a little bit for time. And he says, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I think it's one of the best prayers we can pray when you don't know what to do, which is a lot of times, turn your eyes to the Lord. And that's what Jehoshaphat did. And then reading on in verse 14, then the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel son of Zechariah and he said in verse 15 King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem this is what the Lord says to you do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army for the battle is not yours but God's that's our promise today so number four is this God calls to you in the midst of a seemingly impossible situation and gives you a promise When it seems like the problem is too big, when it seems like there's nothing you can do, you can stand on the promise of God. And number five in your notes is the promise lifted right from scripture. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the battle is not yours, but God's. He further explains it in verse 17. God says, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. So number six on your notes is God has already won the battle. Look at me for a second. Look at me if you're online. All, all throughout the Old Testament, there's this seemingly counterintuitive thing that God repeatedly does. He tells the people of God, I have won this war, but now you have to go fight it. And then if you follow that through to the New Testament, what that means for us in the age of grace, in the new covenant, it means that we face a seemingly impossible battle against sin and death and brokenness and the fallenness of our world and our own sinful heart, and we cannot get to God. But the gospel, the good news of Jesus says that God has come to us. So he comes and lifts us up. He wins the war for us. He wins the battle. And I love this principle, saying it this way. Number seven, you are an imperfect person resting in the finished work of Christ. In the new covenant, we must remember The Lord has won the battle, the battle that we have no power to win. It doesn't mean we don't have a role to play, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But we have to start from the heart posture of resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. He has won the war for you and declared you righteous. Now, that is if you've put your faith in him. That's if you've, perhaps you just need to say yes to being a follower of Jesus today. It starts there. You can even pray that in your heart as I continue to speak and finish this message. Say yes to him. I want to follow you, Lord. I don't fully understand what it means, but I I, I want your forgiveness. And then we, we lay hold of the victory that he has already won. I love thinking of it as this way and this way. Look at me again. Imagine two lines. There's a line right here, way up above where I'm where I'm just imagining in the air with my hand here, there's also a line way down here. Here's where we are. We're stuck down here. And, and if we're just thinking religion, if we're just thinking trying to attain some kind of good moral life, people sometimes misunderstand following Jesus as just trying to be a good person. That means we are trying to climb up some, some sort of ladder or mountain until we can attain this righteous walk. The problem is we can't do it. We fail miserably. We keep falling back down. And even if we think we're doing really well for a while and walking up here for a while, we are going to fall off of that. So that's actually not what the gospel is. The gospel says that we cannot attain God or righteousness, so he has come for us. He has pulled us up to this line. He has said, come, I'll just use myself. He said, Nathan, come walk with me in this, on this line, this righteous way, the flourishing way of Jesus. And every time I fall, which I do, I don't fall back down to some lower line. I fall down, but I, I talk to him and he he keeps me right here because I'm clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. So I am unfinished. I'm trying to live out the reality of what it is to walk on this line, but I don't get it right all the time, but I stay on that line because I've accepted the good news of Jesus. Give me a honk or something if you're understanding what I'm saying. That is what the gospel is. It's very different. It's very, very different uh, than moralism or trying to attain salvation. And that is very, very good news for us today. Now, here's how I wanna close. Number eight, the battle is not yours, but you still have a role to play in it. Remember what God says to the people of Israel. He says, I have won this war, but you must still go take take your place on the front line of this battle, is what he said to him. Let's read out of Second Chronicles, starting in verse 17. God says, You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. What? Wow. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will fight. For you, And then here comes the most counterintuitive, beautiful kingdom of God part. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying this, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And track with me, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. Now stick with me, I'm reading on. Verse 27, then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace. And listen here, for God had given him rest on every side. So how did this happen? How was this battle won? Here's number nine, our closing point. Your role is to worship God and declare his promises on the front line of the battle. That's what the people of God did. And the Lord then won the war for them. So whenever you are alarmed about something, like Jehoshaphat in the the beginning of this story, inquire of the Lord. Remind yourself of the good news of Jesus and then worship, as Nick says, your brains out. I was gonna say your heart out. That sounds more pastory, but he says, worship your heart. You don't worship because you feel like it. You don't worship because you feel like you've had a good day. You don't worship because you feel like you are self-righteous in some way. You don't worship because you've done well. You worship because God has done well. You worship because God is God and he's won the victory. And so at any moment of any day, no matter where you find yourself, you can take part in this and fulfilling your role by worshiping God, declaring his promises. So that's what we are going to do to close out this service. We're gonna worship him with all our heart. And that's, that song says, this is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded. that? Can I give you an encouragement just as, as your pastor, as your friend, as your brother? You know, I alluded to the fragmentation of our country, the division, uh, all the stuff going on. There's also a lot of unity, as we know. Um, but there's a lot going on. You know, tensions are high, emotions are high. One of the things I really wanna encourage you is have healthy conversations with people that have different perspectives than you. We are of a different kingdom. We are of a different mindset. We are of a higher allegiance than anything that divides us. And in difficult moments like this, it is the moment for the church to shine bright. It is the moment for the church of Jesus Christ to demonstrate a different kingdom and a different way, the way of Jesus Christ. This is the moment to do it. But I just wanna call to you uh, just from humility, and I'm with you in this. Come with this sort of posture. Start with searching your own heart. Search me and know me, God. I bring myself humbly before you. Just come with that posture because that's our posture as followers of Jesus. And then I encourage you to have conversations with people that are different than you. You know, two of the phone calls, two two of the communications I had this week, one were with uh, one of my best friends who's an African-American in Los Angeles who was in my church for years when I pastored there, who is a successful artist and businessman. And I called him and all I said was, um, tell me how you're doing. Tell me what's happening with you. And we're close friends. And so he shoots really straight with me and he's hurt and angry. That's how he's doing. Now he's hopeful, he's a follower of Christ, but he's going through a lot. It's a challenging time for him. He's raising two beautiful, young African-American, actually mixed girls that are two of my daughter's best friends. And I cried with them on the phone about the reality that he's going through. I also had communication with another member of our church that was in LA who's still there, who's LAPD. And I wanted to see how he was doing. He's a young man, I think he's still in his 20s. And he's been going through the challenges of being a police officer right now. And I heard his pain and his challenge and I heard his exhaustion in the middle of all this. And he's a white man. And I weep with him as well. And he's going through difficulty. And I'm learning from having humble conversations. Are you tracking with me, church? I want to encourage you to have conversations. And what I do, those two guys that I mentioned right there, I'm not with in person. But metaphorically, I stand and I hold both of their hands and I sing. It may look like we're surrounded, but we're surrounded by you. And, I sing, and we actually hold our hands up together in worship. And, and there are a few false um, dichotomies that we don't have to We don't have to succumb to as followers of Christ. I personally believe that I will never perfectly fit with a political party because I have a higher allegiance. I don't make my decisions based on that. I make my decisions based on the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. My allegiance is to Jesus. And let me encourage you, if you feel like you don't just perfectly fit, Or if you feel a little defensive this way or that way, you're in good company. I think everybody's feeling a little bit like that. But have the healthy conversations. Keep your allegiance where it needs to be. Are you with me, church? doesn't mean we don't pray for our government leaders. Of course, we pray, we stand, we vote, we participate, do all those things. But we have a higher allegiance. We're a part of a different kingdom. I have some resources that went out in our email uh, about a conversation between one of my mentors, Pastor Rod Loy, and another wonderful pastor named Dr. Samuel Huddleston. Uh, Both tremendous leaders, tremendous men of God that have an hour-long conversation around race and reconciliation. Please watch it. I also am sending out a resource about 10 Rules for Healthy Conversations about race and reconciliation. I'm gonna say them real quick now before I close in prayer. Pick someone with a different perspective than you. Don't do it on social media. Can I get an amen to that? Come with more questions than answers. Listen to understand. Don't talk over people, really listen. And by the way, we have to listen through our defensiveness. You'll feel defensiveness rise up, but don't, don't, stop that. Don't, don't let that stop you from listening. Number six, ask about experiences and backgrounds. Just ask your friends, ask people. Ask the tough questions and answer kindly. It's okay to disagree, do something with what you learn. And here might be one of the most important ones, have more than one conversation. Keep the conversation going. You with me, church? It's an important moment. It's time for us to stand and be, represent the kingdom of God, represent the person of Jesus Christ. Um, I'm going to close us in prayer and pray a benediction over us. Thank you to our team uh, for serving us so well today. Thank you, Nick and Jackie. Thank you for all the team behind the scenes serving. We're so thankful for you guys. Again, uh, you can watch for an announcement this week about our in-person services. You know, I, I was reporting to our board earlier this week and I was telling them, you know, our church has actually grown through the pandemic. Uh, we've seen people put faith in Jesus and, and connect and, and, and grow with us. So I believe, uh, you know, we're likely gonna start with two services when we start again. It'll help us distance and it'll also help us with the growth. And we'll just see what God continues to do and be faithful to it. Um, Let me say a quick prayer before I do the benediction. Lord, we pray for revival in our nation. We pray for spiritual awakening. We pray that in moments that are tense, when emotions run high, and when there are seemingly a million perspectives to every story, we humble ourselves and we don't act like we have the one perfect perspective. I don't act like that. I know that I do not have the one perfect perspective. So I want to pause. And like the scripture teaches us, I want to be quick to listen and slower to speak and slower to get angry. I want to listen to my brothers. I want to listen to my sisters. Across the whole spectrum of this, I'm thankful that our church, Graceland Church, is diverse in a lot of different ways. Diverse generationally, which is such a tremendous gift that we're committed to. Diverse culturally, which is such a tremendous gift that we're committed to. Diverse socioeconomically, which is such a tremendous gift that we're committed to, diverse politically, diverse racially, diverse in every way imaginable. Imagine, and all of these are tremendous gifts because you've called us as people of the kingdom of God to all be the same at the foot of the cross, and in that place we are we are the same. We kneel down at the foot of the cross before the King of all kings. It is higher than every other allegiance that we have. But God, we acknowledge that there's pain, there's hurt, there's brokenness, we pray for your healing. We pray for reconciliation. We pray for forward motion together, hand in hand. I pray specifically against little tears that the enemy wants to get in between relationships, even in our own church, or perhaps in your family, or perhaps with your friends, or perhaps at your work. Do not be surprised, church that those tears try to come. But Lord, help us to not allow those tears to remain. Help us to remember that we actually have more in common as people of Jesus than we have different. And help us to figure out ways to move forward together and present a unified church to the world. You said they will know us by how we love one another. So this is the time when that's tested. That's actually really easy when everybody agrees about everything, but it it becomes real when we don't agree about everything. And the reality of life is we don't agree about everything, but we will love each other with all our heart. And that will be a testimony to the world. And I pray that Graceland Church will be a part of that testimony and a part of that story. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening, church. We love you. I'm gonna pray this benediction over you and we'll be dismissed. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. And that's out of Romans sixteen twenty-five to 27. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you, church. Thank you for being here. Have a wonderful afternoon. See you guys soon.